You're listening to Edu Revolution, a podcast that inspires educators to make meaningful change. My name is Michael R. McCormick, and I'm a school district superintendent best known as a technology enthusiast who is dedicated to increasing opportunity and access for each student. I'm sitting down with the movers and shakers who are making waves in the education space through research, practice, and technology integration. Buckle up and be inspired to make changes in your school or district and join the Edu Revolution movement. You can find this podcast on all the major platforms. Well, let's get right into it. He's an Apple. Yeah, wait, wait. <laughs> let's get right into it. Yeah, he's, go for the throat, Mike. He's an Apple Distinguished Educator, Google Certified Innovator, Microsoft Innovative Expert, Q Gold Disc Recipient, Madera County Teacher of the Year, National School Board 20 to Watch Educator, and this is a big one, EdTech Digest Trendsetter and Top 100 Edu Influencer. It is a thrill to host John Carippo on the program today, Edu Revolution Podcast. But the thing that takes me... Um, back a little bit is your tagline, a helpful guy. John, tell us about your inspiration for the helpful guy concept. Oh, I know you're going to love this story. Um, <laughs> so I had a situation where I was, uh, this is like three school districts ago. Um, but I was, I was asking one of the people at the district office for some clarification. And I just literally sent questions like, Hey, how do I blah, blah, blah. It was like an HR matter, right? And they, they didn't answer for a week, and then I had to remind them, and then they got snippy that I was asking, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. This is HR stuff. It seems like it should be pretty clear how it works, and um, so I just decided in a fit of passive aggressiveness that I would add helpful guy to my, <laughs> to my email handle uh, so that every time I sent an email to our district office, they could say, I wonder what that means. <laughs> it's that, it's that simple. It's that simple. And then it just turned into a whole lifestyle. I, so like the last five school districts and organizations I've had, um, my, my, I always put in my email handle helpful guy. And sure enough about like one out of our, every 20 emails I send, people will say, I love the helpful guy thing. That's so awesome. But they don't really know the story that it was like this, me standing up for myself against the district office kind of thing. Oh, I, I love that story. And I got to tell you, I've borrowed that myself. And the other one that I love is free lifetime support. Tell me about that one. Well, that actually comes from a book that you know from my um, Rockstar Admin stuff, which is Exploiting Chaos, right? And um, the idea is that when you go and do PD for people, they sometimes put you on a pedestal. Mike, I can't tell you how many emails I get. And you probably get the same thing where people email you and say, I know you're so busy, but I have a question. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, I live for questions. I can't wait for your questions. And so in Exploiting Chaos, which is exploitingchaos.com if you want the book for free, um, what it talks about is making a claim that makes people have a visceral response, right? Like uh, they want to have an emotional response. And so when I tell people that I am more than happy to give them free lifetime tech support, like they can't process that. And it, it actually ties in nicely with your helpful guy thing, right? Because um, when I was an assistant soup, um, what I did was I, um, I uh, made a, a commitment to myself that I would answer all teacher emails within one hour of seeing them. And I need to be clear on there. Not one hour of getting <laughs> them. 
one hour of seeing them. And um, you know what? People, when you respond quickly, people people take that as a nonverbal that you care about them, which is a pretty cool thing for leaders, especially if we claim to be education leaders. Yeah, I love that. What a great story. And, and you know, I've used that. I, I always tell people after yeah. I'm done doing a presentation or a talk, hey, you get yeah. free lifetime support because we've met now, we're in a relationship. And exactly. um, it's kind of strange how few emails I actually get yeah. or how few oh, the, people actually reach back. The first time I did it, I thought, oh, dude, that, ooh, wow. Okay, wow, that could be a thing. And, you know, out of a room of 700 people, I got my, I might get three emails. That's sustainable. I can, I can sustain that level of interaction. Um, and uh, what's nice, though, is I think what it does for people is it says in their mind that I'm in this with you. And I think it has a lot to do with any success we've had with, with my, my PD offerings that people say to themselves, this guy's not kidding. I think I should try this. Does that make sense? Like, so it translates to them that this is a thing. And, um, and it's not just so, a one shot thing. You're actually no, with them for the person, long haul. I had a person email me in May. Remember that event in 2013, dude, that's almost eight years ago. Uh, do you still have the slides for that? Yes, I do. <laughs> I will have people email me and they say, I'm invoking my free lifetime tech support, which is super fun. I love it when they say that. What a great way to start an email. Now, John, a couple of things. I mean, you've trained probably over 50,000 educators across the nation. 50,000 yep. teachers. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know, um, I, and I want to be clear because uh, I'm an honesty guy. I didn't like necessarily hands-on train each one of those 50,000. But over the last five or six years of my previous organization, I was in charge of training that many people. And so a lot of people were out there working under the, the PD that I was planning. And, you know, we got really good response rates. We And, Mike, uh, think about this. If I say, let's do a district PD Every district I've worked in, when I work at the district, if I'm doing a PD, I'm lucky to get 65% happy, agree or disagree. Yeah, totally agree. That's a pretty good number because when teachers come to district-led PD, they bring all of the things with them. Um, I didn't get a raise this year. I don't like testing. I don't like the district mask policy. They bring all those things with them to the party. And it makes it tricky because they're not just judging your event. They're judging your complete leadership. And there's people that are going to be objectors. And so um, in the stuff I did uh, over the last you know, five or six years with the 50,000 people, we're, we're getting routinely getting like 9.2 out of 10 ratings. And I think that really says a lot about, um, you know, I, I made sure all of our trainees added the free lifetime tech support model. Uh, we made sure people did things and not just listen to things because, um, you know, I'm a big fan of this. If, if I wanted to become a better gardener and I joined a gardening club and all they ever did was talk to me and give me worksheets, I wouldn't be a better gardener. Uh, if I wanted to be a better cook, I, I would need to um, – uh, I would cook, right? I don't want to do coloring or dot-to-dots on cooking. I want to cook. And so we always designed things that had a lot of hands-on elements, and I think that was a really big part of that success too. So you're ingratiating people. You're welcoming them to the rest of your life. You're doing the tasks so they have empathy for the learners. When you explain something or I explain something like thin slides to people, 
one word, one picture, three minutes. They're like, I got a college degree. Yeah. Once they're doing it, they're like, Oh, I only got two minutes to go. Like it's <laughs> different. Right. You're the recipient and you're actually doing the work. Yeah. I love it. And how quickly the DOK, the depth of knowledge right. skyrockets on an activity yep. like that. Yep. And I think, yeah, I mean, you can tell teachers about iron chef and there's always a group of teachers that are like, well, you know, John, I do real academic work, not this little slide making. And I'm like, good, let's start making some, making some slides. By the way, you got eight minutes to go. Everything changes at that point. They're like, oh, wow, this is hard. I'm really having to organize my thoughts. I'm having to think efficiently. I'm having to use all these tools in the context of building something that's going to be shared publicly, oops, in about seven minutes from now. Yeah, great. I love that pressure. So let's talk about, I mean, so far you're the author of two books, co-author, Edu Protocols, mm-hmm. book one, book two, couple other things on the horizon. I think there's a math edition that's about ready to drop. Yeah, should be this week, actually. Super excited for you. And so talk talk us through, you know, what was the inspiration for Edu Protocols? And then we'll talk a little bit about how that kind of really fits okay. into the Edu Revolution movement. Well, so the Edu Protocol thing, and that's another one of my little catchphrases, uh, worksheet-free since 2020, or since uh, 2000. Sorry, I'm off by two decades. Um, (laughs) I basically stepped away from the worksheet model in my third or fourth year of teaching, and I've been really honing that process for the last few years. Then I got together with my co-author, Marlena and Mariposa, and this is a pretty good story. She pushed back um, for the first six or eight months, she was like, what about this? What about that? Are they really learning, right? And what was funny is when I left that assistant position, uh, Marlena transitioned into being a sixth grade teacher. And all of a sudden, she thought I was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Once she started actually teaching again, she was like, hey, this protocol business, this is the deal. My prep time's down. The kids don't, you know, they don't hate the work. This is actually working. Because there's an engagement, right? And I think you right. draw on your experiences as a football player and coach. Yeah. There is something to be said for repetition. Well, it's, and it's engaging kids in the process. And then they take over and all of a sudden you see that critical thinking and analysis coming out yeah. of those reps. Well, and if you want to talk about SEL, you start talking about people engaging the work and starting to really consider the content. One of our favorite sayings is that, you know, once the protocols start kicking in, kids rarely ask you about the instructions. You know what they ask you about? They ask you about the content. They start saying, is this a pronoun? Is this a verb? Uh, Should I put an adjective here? It's a totally different conversation. And then if you're the kind of person, and I think the vast majority of us are, that signed up to do... um, you know, to be with kids, not to just hand out worksheets all day. There's so many more teachable moments in an edge of protocols classroom because you're not constantly telling kids, be quiet. I need to tell you this. Be quiet. I need to tell you this. Would you please be quiet? What's happening is you're saying, who's got a better idea? Who's got something weird that still works? And kids are telling you creative and interesting things. It's a totally different animal. Right. Because you're, you're now moving towards authentic engagement versus something yes. like strategic compliance. And that's the that's the SEL part because um, the first district I worked in, uh, Clovis, they talked about uh, competence precedes confidence, right? If you can do the thing, it gives you the confidence to try other things. And Mike, how many kids do we look at in school who are getting Fs and Ds because they've just shut down because every day when they go to school, they get told you're no, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're not good at this. You're wrong. And 
there's a point where they go, you know what? I'm not good at this. <laughs> and they buy into it because they've basically been in the edge of gulag for 12 years. And they're like, okay, I surrender, right? I, you got me. I'm not good at this. You're right. And if that means I don't have to do any work today, I will do the same tomorrow. And so in protocols, what happens is kids start getting engaged and they start saying, okay, I want to do this thing. Would this work? And that's when everything starts to change. Yeah, I love that. You know, and it reminds me, it bears repeating. I think I've said it on the previous episode, but that Sir Ken Robinson quote, once kids get good yep. at one thing, they tend to get better at everything else. And it has yep. to do with that. All of a sudden, there's a new confidence there. Well, I'll take you a little learning story. We started, Mike Niehoff and I got to start a school, right? We start our school. And the kids all roll in on the first day, and it turns out they're all Windows kids. And I got a Mac Bay school. <laughs> and we're like, ooh, okay, we didn't plan on losing a month of teaching the kids how to do Macs. Oh, right on. Right? Yeah. And guess what? So what I did was I made a top 10 list, scavenger hunt, do all these things. Here's how you screenshot. Here's how you do this, right? And within three weeks, they were better on their Windows machines and their Macs because just to the point you're making, once they realized the computer metaphor as a whole, everything changed. Yeah. And I know that um, Minarets, when you all got started up there, right. that, that was really a innovative adventure. And uh, one of the things that I think you guys really focused on is one of the tenets actually of Edge of Revolution, which is students need to infuse their own experience in their educational journey. Talk to us right. a little bit about that. Well, we, we did some things that, uh, that I think that would really apply to the Edge of Revolution. I don't know if you've ever seen this, Mike. I bet you have. But we, we made a student bill of rights. Yeah, I, I mean, think that. about that for a second. If the students don't have a Bill of Rights, they're just taking whatever they get fed, right? Absolutely. And so our student Bill of Rights, and I can send you a picture of it, our, our student Bill of Rights had things like um, uh, class time will not be dominated by lecture. Uh, students won't be doing useless homework. So we went out and challenged our teachers and said, hey, this is the thing. We are not going to do some of these things that are so negative to the student experience it will not be textbook driven and we we came up with about 10 things that said these are these are things that we're going to focus on with our human children and you know what kids responded i love that and that kind of leads me to think about another conversation that you and i have had about kind of changing the aesthetic i know that over my almost 30 years of education you know there's that group of teachers that First day of school, 180 days, and then they start the countdown and they've got the big calendar and every day gets a new X and how many days are left. And um, I, I think the fear of that thinking is that this is a short-term student-teacher relationship. We're yeah. in this together for one year. But John, you have a different idea about this. Please share. Yeah, this, was, this is one of the neat things about going back to the classroom as a 25-year fellow. Um, instead of, you know, just being stuck in the same, like I'm treating this year like a very special experience. And one of the things uh, that popped into my head in my second or third day of teaching was, I'm going to see these guys at Target in 2025. Um, I'm going to see these guys. These guys are going to hit me up on Facebook. Like the, the thing that really got me started was I'm in this new development called Tesoro Viejo 
and um, one, three of my former students live there. <laughs> right on. And they are literally coming in the line going, Grippo, Grippo, I didn't know you worked here. Oh, my <laughs> God, my kids are going to be so happy to be in your class in fifth grade. And I realized, I was like, ooh, this is a long-term thing. This is not a um, will be done in 175 more days. So basically what I told my students this year was I said, look, here's the deal. Um, okay, first of all, don't think I'm a stalker, all right? But <laughs> I will be at some of your weddings. When you tell sixth graders out, they're like, what? I will, I will, um, I will be at some of your weddings. I will, uh, I may perform your wedding. How do I know? Because I've done it. Um, I may adopt one of you. How do I know? Because I have done that. Um, I will see, I will meet your children someday. Um, you will email me. You will text me. Uh, you will send me Facebook posts that you need a new better camera and you don't know which one to buy and which computer should you buy. And frankly, is this a good housing development to live in? And you will never hear me say this. You will never hear me say, I'm just trying to get through the year because I don't like I don't like what that says to the kids that our, our, our relationship, right, is just for the year and then you guys move along and I get a fresh load of kids. I don't, I don't like the nonverbal for the kids on that. Yeah, I love that. You know, the first time you kind of shared that thinking with me, it just blew me away because I've been in the same school system 25 years as a assistant principal, middle school principal, high school principal. Right. And one you see of the, those kids, we not only do I see those kids, I'm now hiring those kids as teachers in my district. Right. And it's probably the most fulfilling thing that I could do is, you know, obviously the students have to go through the recruitment process to become teachers and all that kind of stuff. But just the idea that a, a former student wants to come back and serve in the community that helped raise them. I mean, right. to me, there is nothing that warms my heart more than that. It's pretty cool, right? And so I basically the quote I left my kids with in that little conversation was, I'm going to treat this relationship like a 25-year relationship, not like a 180-day relationship, which means there's going to be times when I'm pretty mad at you. I'm going to let it go because I don't want to run into you in Target 20 years from now and have you go, oh, there's that jackass that chewed me out for no reason. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> That's right. And so yeah. you guys are going to get some grace out of that. <laughs> so don't, don't abuse it. No, I love it. And then just, you know, you've actually been back in the classroom this year and you've kind of had this, you know, we're in school, we're out of school, we're transitioning from hybrid oh. to distance learning and just kind of talk us through what that's felt like. So, yeah, so our district is um, really, really focused on being face to face, which I don't necessarily disagree with. It's, it's just the logistics of it. Like how, how many kids can you put in a room without making it weird? And then, um, you know, what does that all look like? But we had a couple of things on top of that, which included the big old creek fire, which knocked us out for two weeks in September. So we were just down, Mike. Have you ever seen a September break? Never. <laughs> so we started up distance, and then we went to a September break. And then um, we did that, and then we had two weeks off. And then, then we went some more distance, and then we um, – we went a few more weeks, and then we had a power outage in the middle of the week. And then in, in late October, my district decided to go back to face-to-face, -to -face, which literally the day we were going to try to go back to face-to-face, -to -face, we had another uh, electricity, electricity event. So 
we were supposed to go back on Monday and on Friday night at six o'clock, we got an email saying, we're not going back Monday. We're going back Wednesday. Um, so we've been in and out of distance. We've been booted up and shut down on distance learning by uh, seven times now, seven times. <laughs> and the other thing that just cracks me up and we're kind of coming towards the end here, but you say, you know, if you're a school system that's looking to do hybrid, get ready to do an hour of hand washing a day. How does oh, that yeah. fit in? When, and when you go back, when you go back, right, people don't understand what back is like <laughs> because, again, there's this whole series of things that happen. One thing is um, you're going to wash hands for about an hour a day, okay? By the time you wash before in each event where you go in and out of, of the classroom, right? Um, recess doesn't look like recess because everybody's got to stay at six feet at recess and they are now required to wear masks outside. So when you say we're going back to school, the kids that are like, yeah, back to school, that's not what you're thinking, bro. (laughs) (laughs) And you get to sit in the cafeteria with nobody within six feet of you, all that kind of stuff. So it's not what always, um, what people imagine when they go back. And then the biggest one we had to struggle with was this idea that how many kids fit in a room. And I think our classrooms are pretty nominally sized. They're about, let's say, 850 square feet, Mike, which is yeah, pretty much you're, the norm. Well, right? you're... 850, you're, 870? Yeah, I think you're a little under. 960 square feet is the figure I always oh, had. Well, no, everybody's not as cool as you. <laughs> uh, it's it's around 900. Gotcha. So um, I'm just here to tell you, 900 square feet translates into about 20 kids, which yeah. means... If you would normally have 32 kids in that class, you ain't going to have 32 kids in that class, right? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to have 22 kids in that class, which means everybody can't come every day. So people have got to get their heads around that, right? And so that now you're in an A-B model, right? And, and I think given the constraints of size and space, the A-B model is a really good thing because I think kids being face-to-face, I'm going to tell you right now, dude, I, I'm, I teach way better when we're face-to-face, right? That's done deal. Um, but the flip side is that um, uh, I, I can't do it with 32 kids all in their little plastic cubbies. Yeah. It's not pretty. So right. I think um, one of our neighborhood schools did a cool thing I like, which is they did face-to-face starts at 9 or 9.15 every day. And they go like nine to two, so it's a slightly shorter day. And I would like to point out: are we are we not on hold harmless this year, Mike? So they're not really counting days at the state level, right? right? That's correct. Okay. So what they did is like nine to two, because guess what? The teachers are going to have to do way more prep, way more prep than normal. So what they what we what they did at this other school district was we went we went like nine fifteen to two, and then the kids that were not in class that day, the kids that were not in class that day got 45 minutes each day. So the Monday, Tuesday kids got on from eight to eight 45 with their teachers to just do a check-in. And then the second group went, uh, but they go nine to two. So it's a little shorter day for the teachers. Right. And then, um, the next thing that happens is on, they have Wednesday, they were closed again, prep and grading time. And then, um, Thursday, Friday, the group that was there face-to-face Monday, Tuesday, they get their online time, and the group that was online is now getting face-to-face, and I think that's a pretty good distribution, like given all the constraints. Yeah, I like the office hours concept, right? Yeah, yeah, so you can check in. So, like, here's the deal. Every kid gets to hear and talk to their teacher every day, 
It's just that you're only face to face two days. Right. I and love I think that. I think that's I think that's a pretty good um I think that's a pretty good uh in between, you know, you cover a lot of bases, if you would. Yeah, that's good. And how do you see edge protocols fitting into kind of this oh. very fluid situation between yeah, well, face so, to face so, and distance? So for folks that don't know what edge protocols are, think of them as frames, lesson frames that you can do over and over again, and you just change the subject. So probably the easiest one I could share with your people would be like, um, think of if your kids were going to do a jigsaw in Google Slides, right? A jigsaw in Google Slides. Each kid gets one slide, right? Each, each, each kid gets one slide. Well, guess what, Mike? You can do this remotely, and you can do it face-to-face. And there's not much prep, and you can do it in Nearpod. So we've got a thing that we call Smart Start in Edge of Protocols, which is basically the idea of um, the big idea is basically uh, spending the first couple of days of school um, being less focused on standards and more focused on how to think and how to summarize and how to collaborate and how to share. So like we have one called Freire or a Friend, and if your friends know what a Freire model is, we do a Freire, but we don't launch right into the academics. We start off with Freiring the kid sitting next to you or the kid in your breakout room, right? Yeah, so low cognitive demand yeah. to begin with, get people right. in the cycle, yeah. and then and start that, ramping it up. Part of that comes from the fact that when I started um, teaching high school English, I thought, oh, this is going to be so good, so pinky up, it's going to be so fancy with the <laughs> high school kids. And I had them do a Venn diagram, and they were flummoxed. They could not do a Venn diagram. I was like, bro, this is going to be a long year if you can't even do a Venn diagram. So one of the ideas there is to um, is to – I switched with that class. I pivoted on the fly, and I switched them to – ready for this? We did, um, we did a Venn diagram on Big Macs versus Whoppers. Nice. And and because the, the key there is comparing. The content is transitional, right? The content doesn't matter. But if you can't do a Venn diagram at all, we got problems. We got that's, big problems if you can't right. do one at all. It's like the first day of football practice. Yeah, exactly. And the first day of football practice at every level is can you get in a freaking stance and right. can you get in and out of the huddle? How many coaches <laughs> spend the right. first two days on that? Because they know that you got to take care of those things to be able to take care of the other. That's right. And so smart starts that idea. Well, I basically, Mike, have treated almost this whole year as a smart start. Because when these kids get to school next year, they'll be able to summarize. They'll be able to read and use textual evidence. They'll be able to do, you know, math reps and, and, and math calculations. They'll be fully functional at a, at a lower than normal level, but fully built out, right? So it's, it's, it's a cool concept and I'm just making lemonade with the lemons that this year has given me. Yeah. I love that. And what I'd, what I'd love to do is, is finish up with talk, talk to us about how you believe educators, schools, districts should be thinking about the end of this school year. Well, my first principal, Pete Reyes, Peter Mendoza Reyes, who was a cool cat said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to encourage you not to wind down the year. I don't want countdown charts. They send a bad nonverbal message to the children about our focus. I would like you to wind up the year. And I thought, oh my God, 
that is dude that is straight up brilliant right there and i've been using it ever since <laughs> i love it and and john where can our listeners go to find out more information about edgy protocols and how they can too get free lifetime support on edgy protocols well, it's pretty easy. If you just look on Twitter or Facebook, there's only one John Carippo, so I'm pretty easy to find. Um, you can go to edgeprotocols.com, and there's a whole bunch of these templates for free if you like the sound of this. And, yeah, just drop right in and um, drop me a line and say, this sounds interesting. Tell me more, and I will engage you probably within an hour. <laughs> hour of reading the email, right? Yeah, within an hour of seeing it, like I can't guarantee when I might be asleep. I can't do the one hour thing now, but within an hour of seeing it. I love it. Well, it's been really great chatting with you here. And uh, I want you to know that, you know, John was really one of the inspirations for the whole edge revolution movement. And, and one of the things that we're trying to do is take, you know, last time we, we talked with Sonny Magani about the T3 framework and some of the practical uh, research uh, and practice that's that's happening around that. And then John and his work with Edu Protocols really fits into what does this look like between teachers and students in classrooms? And what are some of the activities that really promote those uh, transition points between T1 and T2 and T2 and T3? Yeah. And the whole thing fits together very nicely. And we'll continue to engage with other guests and um, take this in a whole bunch of different directions. John? Yeah, I, I agree. And what's great about this and the T3 is the T3 provides the framework, but the protocols are what it looks like in the field. And if any of your listeners, Mike, are cooks or they brew beer or they're gardeners, any of those things are what I like to call um, uh, iterative. Right. And so what's yeah. great about the protocols approach is it's completely iterative. You can see what somebody else does in fifth grade and go, oh, that'd be great with my AP guys. There's there's this consistency of flow across the board that is just super powerful. Yeah. And I think the other thing, you know, I was uh, had the chance to interact with the author of. Uh, I, I think let's see. I forgot it, but it's, oh, it's In Search of Deeper Learning. The book is entitled In Search of De Deeper Learning by Jal Mehta, who is a uh, Harvard Boy, University that a, professor. That's, that's pretty geeky sounding right there. Well, here's the thing, uh, because it ties right into what you're doing with the Edu Protocol movement, which is mm -hmm. teachers are now developing their own protocols based right. off of some of the things that you and Marlena have written right. about. Right. And, the, well, and, the, and that's, that's my cooking metaphor, right? So somewhere along the line, somebody made toll house cookies, right? And then 30 years later, somebody goes, Oh my God, you could put M&Ms in instead of chocolate chips. That's right. That's and then right. 10 years later, somebody said, what if there's no chips? What if I put white chocolate and macadamia? Whoa. And then somebody else goes, Oh, we could use Reese's fricking pieces. And so that's that iterative nature where people in a very fun, healthy way are one-upping each other consistently. Yeah, I love it. And here's the thing. We often talk about how do we get our kids engaged and excited about learning? Well, how about creating a same sort of culture and environment for our teachers to get engaged right. and enjoy right. this process of creating something new where the, some of those constraints that have been placed upon teachers for so many years, I mean, this to me is very liberating for well, the adults and, small, and the kids. 
it's a small shift, but I want you to think about it this way, Mike. What's the difference between being a person who is slinging curriculum and a person that's designing experiences? It's a very different mindset. I think that's a great place to end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. John, it's been a it's been a wonderful having you on this episode. And I'd love to invite you back, you know, at some point in the future and we can catch up and see I what's going on. I can only new. be so lucky. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> great talking with you, John. Always good. Thank you for listening today. I hope you feel inspired to be the change our students need. You can find this podcast on all the major platforms. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. You can connect with me on Twitter at Mike underscore McCormick2 and Instagram at Michael R. McCormick. And hop on over to the edurevolutionpodcast.com website for free resources that support your next change initiative.